Thanks for taking time to listen to this episode of The Real Rescue Podcast. Take a minute to go to therealrescue.com to check out these and other great deals from our sponsors here at The Real Rescue. This episode of The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider, Axness. Because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. Life Saving Systems Corporation. We do our work so you can do yours. Tough gear for tough jobs. And SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. Breeze Eastern. They dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproofed handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S.com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. Life Saving Systems Corporation. They manufacture the world's toughest helicopter rescue gear. From my favorite harness as a rescueman, the Triton harness, to the rescue baskets, the litters, and of course, the most popular hook in all helicopters, the D-Lock. The team at LSE will cut, bend, sew, weld, and machine these products into existence every day. We do our work so you can do yours. LSC, tough gear for tough jobs. Check them out today at lifesavingsystems.com and follow them on Instagram at Rescue Gear. That's at R-E-S-Q-G-E-A-R. And SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help with your helicopter training, a standardization and safety check, or maybe just an audit or an FAA refresher. They are here to bring your agency up to date with the most current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is awesome. With a certified flight instructor pilots, experienced crew members, which I am happy to say that I am one of them, they offer training in rescue, medical, tactical, firefighting, ground operations, and night vision goggle use. SR3 is also partnered with Petzl 
to assist with personal protective equipment and the highly specific Lazard. SR-3 also goes beyond the helicopter world as they provide high angle rescue training and tactical medicine training. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com or over on Instagram at sr3 underscore rescue. Up next, we go into a little bit different direction than the standard search and rescue that we talk about here on this podcast. This episode, we're going to get more into search and recovery. And what better way to do it than our next guest, Mr. Dylan Nelson and his cadaver dog, Jacoby. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue. Today, on this episode, I've got Dylan Nelson. Hi, Dylan. How are you? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm awesome. Now, here's the cool thing about Dylan is Dylan is a canine handler. So he's got he's coming to us with some stories of like him and Jacoby, his canine dog, and they're going out to do some some not only search and rescue, but search and recovery. And I, buddy, I'm stoked. So Dylan, thanks for coming on, man. How are you, bud? Good. Thanks for having me. Heck yeah, man. Where, where is Jacoby? Is he around? Yeah, he's over here here come here oh uh, j- just check i just i just wanted to make sure oh look at that guy if nobody else could see him that's too bad wow beautiful dog beautiful dog awesome well man thanks for coming on I- i'm really excited about this because i i've never had anybody that's talked about like search and rescue with a dog so this is gonna be pretty cool so yeah. <laughs> be good so i'll tell you what don't um, give us a little background like little bit about you a little bit about jacoby and how the heck you guys got tied in together yeah sure so my name is dylan nelson um i am in the air national guard here in georgia uh so we kind of i was active duty air force at one point in my life and i kind of you know transitioned over into the guard life and then kind of dabbled in some stuff i i was stationed in montana um where i was super active outdoors. Um, and once I moved here, when I joined the guard, I kind of wanted to keep that, that thing going. So I like to hike, I like to get outdoors and that kind of stuff. So, uh, and up there, it was kind of to the point where at the time I had a, a, a little black lab and he would go hiking with me and stuff like that. So I kind of wanted another dog. Um, so I got him and was originally going to train him to do what's called shed hunting um so it's basically like when deer and stuff come out of rut there's yep yeah so yeah yeah yeah. go go get all the sheds i you know what we do that from the helicopter all the i shouldn't say that (laughs) (laughs) only it's us searching for them (laughs) yeah exactly yeah oh that's pretty cool uh, yeah i was originally gonna get him into that and then somebody put the bug in my ear and they were like hey he would be uh he would be good at search and rescue. And so I didn't know anything really about it at the time. Um, and 
I, the only thing I had really to go off of was the air force has what's called PJs. Um, yep. so, yep. So there, there are search and rescue. So, you know, and obviously those guys are, you know, you look at those guys are like, Oh, that'd be cool. You know? So, <laughs> so they're like, yeah, you could do that kind of stuff <clears throat> with a dog. And I was like, well, okay. And didn't really, didn't really take it into consideration. Then I kind of met somebody and, um, kind of evaluated him and, you know, went and kind of toured around some of the different volunteer teams around the state and got different opinions and stuff like that. And we kind of fell into what's called cadaver work. Uh, so he is more of the search and recovery cadaver stuff, uh, which is we are looked at as kind of like the redheaded stepchildren of the search and rescue world. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it happens. Like yeah. they don't all get found and, yeah wow see yeah. he's he's going to find basically a, a dead body yep so he is nationally certified in the detection of human remains wow yeah i didn't even so, know there was such certification to had that's awesome yeah <laughs> yeah see so he's certified through uh the uspca uh which is the united states police canine association uh, so that's so that's typically who we work with is law enforcement uh, for missing people. And then uh, he is on a team that is through the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, and it's called Georgia Body Recovery. It is the only team like it in the country. No way. Yep, it's the only body recovery team. In the whole country? Yep, just strictly dedicated to body recovery, yep. So do you get deployed like all over the, the U.S. or are you, do you mainly yep. stick around? No kidding. So we, we, we typically stick around Georgia, but we have the, the ability to go anywhere. So like load and go. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> Is it like standard military? Like, hey, hurry up. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, go, go, go. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, go. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know, because – the initial call will go out, you know, and says, Hey, you know, we had very little information. Um, so to start with, so like the initial call will go out, you know, it's like, you kind of start the wheels start turning. Okay. What, what kind of stuff do I need in my pack? You know, what, what do I need for this, that, and the other. And then as more information flows in from the investigators and law enforcement guys, you know, like, Oh, okay. You know, then we can kind of better prepare. And then, then we deploy. Wow. No kidding. Yeah, Dang, so. that's crazy. All right. Well, so how, how long have you guys been doing this together? Like you and him? So I started in 2016. I got my rescue specialist in 2016. And then he, I got him in 2018. So 2018 to now, so about four years. With so he's him. still a young dog. Yeah. Yeah. He's done a lot in the, the few years that we've been together. <laughs> Jeez. Oh man. Okay. All right. So in four years, you already have a couple call outs that really stand out to you. Uh, but let's start with your very first one. What was it? Yeah. So, uh, I got a call. It was, so for this one, I was in a support role, but this was like my first like introduction into, Hey, this is what you're getting into. So I'm more so with shadowing. So I was shadowing a handler at the time and she had a cadaver dog as well. Um, so she's like, Hey, 
uh, do you want to come be my support? And support means like I'm running her radios and stuff like that, basically doing everything for her with GPS and radios and stuff. So all she has to do is just watch her dog. Um, so she's like, hey, we have a missing five-year-old uh, and the five-year-old initially went missing. The call came in in Jacksonville, Florida, and then we ended up in Alabama. So since it crossed state lines, the FBI got involved. So that's who we were assisting. So when we showed up, it was the FBI, their state bureau of investigation, a drug task force, uh, another search team that was there. And then, um, the local, like, I think it was like the sheriff's department was there as well. Um, so yeah, it was, wow. there's a lot of people. Yeah. So they briefed us in and said, Hey, um, the, the mother of this child reported her missing. Um, we've been pinging her cell phone, this, that, and the other, she made three different trips to from Florida to Alabama in three days, which is a lot of driving. Um, so yeah. it was odd. So they had us search in a rock quarry and another place, but the, the one, I guess, team lead from the drug task force, he comes up to us and he's like, Hey, you guys have the dog that's certified with the police agency. Correct. And the, the other handler was like, yeah. So he's like, okay, you guys are going to come with us. So we load up in their trucks and their trucks look like regular, like big yeehaw trucks. Like <laughs> you would never know. Yeah. You would never know they were police cars. So I, this is all like super overwhelming to me. I'm like, this is crazy. So we take off uh, and no one says anything. And I'm sitting in the back seat and it's just silent. And like, we're doing probably 80, 90 miles an hour down these roads. And I finally pipe up. I'm like, Hey, where are we going? And, <laughs> you keep your guy, mouth shut back there. Lock it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The guy, the guy driving turns around, looks at me and goes, we're going to hit the family members houses. And I was like, Oh, all right, here we go. So wait, <laughs> <laughs> way to get a pre-brief on that one. <laughs> yeah. So we pull up in the local PD um, and it is a, it is a rough neighborhood. Um, so the local PD, they, they had the, the whole block blocked off. And so we come in with the trucks and then um, there was two FBI agents that met us there. Uh, and they were in plain clothes. It was two females. They were in plain clothes and they called the homeowner and did their due diligence and said, Hey, if you know, we don't have, you know, a way to get in, we're going to force entry. So as all the, all this is happening, um, everyone in the neighborhood is coming out of their house and the two, uh, FBI agents in plain clothes, they, they walk up to this group of people that's walking up to try to see, you know, what we're doing. And they legitimately were like, Hey, if you take any pictures of the dogs or the handlers, you're going to jail. And wow. I was like, yeah. And so this is the first time I've ever been in this kind of setting or anything. I'm like, Holy cow. So yeah. So they, no sooner they say that they kick in this door and they're, they're taking everything. They're taking mail, they're taking, you know, drugs, they're taking, you know, bleach bottles that they found in trash cans and stuff like that to find this little girl. Yeah. So 
we searched all day and into the night of different areas that they were suspecting. And then I left and had to come home. And the next day is when they ended up finding her. But yeah, that was my initial like, hey, this is what you're doing for search and rescue. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. So after that, I was like, oh yeah, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy. Holy yeah. smoke. What yeah, so that's that- uh that's quite a crazy, crazy start. Wow. Dang man. Yeah. yeah, so at the time, um Jacoby was had he was licensed through our EMA, so emergency management agency. So he was licensed okay. through them, but he was not nationally certified yet. So we couldn't we couldn't use him in a different state. All right. So now let, let me come to Jacoby real quick, but this one is it like, I'm going to talk to the dog. Hey dog. Hey, how you doing? No, I was he fully certified, like not certified, but fully trained to do everything that the other handler's dog was able to do at the yeah. time. Yeah. He was just, he had no experience. So at that point, you know, we were still brand new. I had no idea like what I was doing, that kind of stuff. So I was, I was still very, very, like immature and so was he at that point so yeah i it was it was probably a good thing that i i was more just staying stand back and watch how everything works as opposed to just trial by fire dang okay so now that you have seen this in particular uh case go down you know i know you had to leave early i i get it but what did you do to prepare for the next one or the one that you were going to end up going on by yourself or? Yep. So at that point, um, we were more so working towards our national cert. Uh, so basically that, what that test looks like is you have five, it's all, everything's off a blind. So you don't, you don't know where the hides are at. You don't know, how they hid them and that kind of stuff. So you have a parameter, like a basic, like a set of rules that they have to go by. Uh, but then that's all off of them. Like, so wilderness type stuff, you know, you can, you have to find three different finds. One has to be, so the aids have to be one, I think two have to be over, over 30 days old. And then two of them have to be under 30 days old. Um, so, and then you're searching, vehicles and you're doing wilderness. So when I say vehicles, everybody just thinks of a car. Well, that car could be from a car or anything all the way up to an airplane. Oh, so, oh. yeah. So you could be oh, wow. searching. Yeah. Just a vehicle. <laughs> Something that moves from one spot to the other. Yep. Dang, man. That's crazy. Yeah. So when we, when we tested, uh, for his first like initial, like national cert, one of the vehicles was an RV and inside the RV. So he alerted to the RV and the the evaluator said, Hey, you're good to let him go inside. So I said, okay. Cause at that point that's probable cause. So Um, you're good to let him go inside. So I open the door and send him in and he dives underneath this little couch that was in this RV and just 
lays down and locks eyes with me. He's locked on. He was like, okay, this is it. So I turned and look at the evaluator. I was like, it's either in the couch or near the couch or under the couch or wherever, but that's where it's at. And the evaluator walks in and he pulls the, the couch up. They hollowed out one of the legs to the couch and he stuck a bloody rag up in there. No way. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. So that was his first, his first test. So after that, um, we were nationally certified once we passed that test. And then, uh, from there we, uh, we went right into, which I think was beneficial for us. So we did not initially go, once he got nationally certified, we did not go on any searches. Like we probably spent another eight months at these training exercises, like just getting him, like basically throwing the kitchen sink at him. And that helped us immensely. Yeah. Now things have kind of within the past, I would say year and a half, like we've had some good searches like real world. Dang, man, that's crazy. Jeez. All right. So let's talk about one of them. Cause you've got a list of like four that you sent me that kind of stand out to you. Um, and the first one that you sent to me was a missing child with the Georgia Bureau of investigation. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I got called out. It was actually funny how it happened. So we were in the process of moving into our new house. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So we're moving and we had been moving all day and, um, we, I ended up getting called out and it was at night. It was, I, I bet it was probably, uh, I'd say it's probably nine 30, almost 10 o'clock at night. And they said, Hey, you're in our area. Um, because that's how the kind of how they divvy it up. So once the call goes through, uh, they see what handler is in that area. And I'm the only cadaver dog handler for like basically the middle of the state down. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so you have a uh, very large area of responsibility is what you're telling exactly, me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but they, uh, Hey, it, they get us the work. That's fine. You know, I'd like to work him as much as I can. So, but yeah, he, uh, they, they called us out. It's probably about an hour South of us. And we, we show up and they say, Hey, um, here's, here's your brief. So, uh, they basically said, Hey, we had a four-year-old that had been missing for a while. Grandparents reported him missing. Um, we think, you know, cause they, they had taken the mom and they had taken the daughter in and they were questioning both of them. And so they had taken, uh, me out to the, this wooded area. And they said, we, we think we know where he's at, but we need you to confirm it with Jacoby. And so we geared up. So I sent Jacoby, uh, and he, it was, kind of a rough area to search because I'm out real quick. I got a question. Okay. If you, all right. So do you have a piece of clothing or some sort of a scent to give him prior to like sending him out of the missing person? No. So, um, there, he is considered what's called an air scent dog. Uh, so that type of the type of detection work. So you have tracking dogs that will use, 
you know, like human odor that's on the ground. Yeah. And then you, have, you have scent specific trailing dogs where they'll take like a, an article of clothing and be able to track that scent where Jacoby, he is uh, detecting for human remains scent in the air. Wow. Okay. Got it. So now you're back on a trail right on. Yep. Yep. So yeah. So I'll, I send him out. Um, and immediately they're like, Hey, it goes back probably four or 500 yards. And then you'll see like where a dam had come through, uh, where like a bunch of beavers had made like a big dam. And so, and then there's water. So that's already in my head, like, Hey, this is going to be kind of a tricky one because odor goes to water because it's cooler. Um, so those scent, that scent odor will all kind of saturate where the water's at because it's cold. Um, really? That's yep. crazy. Yeah. So, Hey, um, so we start searching and we kind of grid the area. Uh, and then, we're running we ran the perimeter and then we start quartering back and forth and basically what happens is jacoby will have a change in behavior where he is more like kind of doing like a scent inventory of an area and then once he goes into odor his body language completely change like so he will the ears go up you know he's on you can tell like hey he's super interested in something and then at that point like all commands go out the window. Like he's not really listening to me until he, cause he knows he's about to get paid. Yeah. So <laughs> wait, what's the paycheck? You got a little treat sitting in your pocket or what? Is it yeah, a full so steak he, dinner? Or, I mean, what do we got? He has a, he has a ball that's attached to a rope and it's yeah. a tug ball. So he'll, he's ball crazy. So he, <laughs> he likes that to tug on that ball. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he, we come out of the, we come out of the wooded areas where we were at um, because he had a change in behavior, but we couldn't get to where he was wanting to go because the brush was just way too thick. Um, So we went out and around and when I sent him back in, uh, he was on it. And then there was this trash bag that was sitting out there and he kind of like was looking at it kind of like was curious as to what it was. And then he, he took his nose and kind of flipped up the bottom of it. And as soon as he did that, his butt hit the ground and he just stared at me and I was like, okay, this is it. Yeah. So, Oh my gosh. I grabbed him. I pulled him out of the area. Um, and I said, Hey, I had an alert on, you know, at, at this. And then they sent the coroner in and uh, the coroner opened up the bag just enough to see what was inside. And yeah, you could see the, the kid's skull and everything in there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, but, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, people don't really understand, like, hey, you know, some of the stuff that we see is kind of a little bit morbid and kind of see it when you close your eyes at night kind of stuff. But yeah, it, it's it's nice that we can bring closure to some people and, yeah. and say, Hey, you know, this is at least now they can have a proper burial and they're not, they're not living the rest of their life thinking, uh, where is he at? You know? Wow. That's tough, man. For you and, and everybody involved. My goodness. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's, 
it's kind of it's kind of one of those things where it's a catch twenty two where you know you're you're excited at first you know hey you know we made the find we we were able to help out Jacoby did a great job and then afterwards it hits you like man that was a four year old kid oh dang man how are you doing you all right yeah yeah I'm good <laughs> yeah yeah you're like the rest of us <laughs> man. Oh, buddy, that that's tough. That that's tough for anybody to see. I mean, I you know, like yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't deal with that too much. You know, most of the people I pick up are still living. Um, so, but, oh, dude, I'm sorry. That is, that's crazy. Good for Jacoby yeah. though. Yeah, it's it's all all part of the job and stuff like that. So it's I mean, you know, we we're glad that we can help. Yeah. How long did that take for him to find find the uh, the body? uh it took us about 15 20 minutes 15 like, or 20 i'm thinking like two three four hours what oh no yeah he's he it doesn't take him long yeah i remind me to to tell you about a training story we did with some firefighters why wait this. let's let's go into it right now come on <laughs> so, so we do these big training exercises and i was a part of the planning for all canine operations for it. So I kind of had some insight, knew how it worked and that kind of stuff. So I was brought on to these, these joint exercises. So basically these exercises are called uh, the Patriot. So it's the air national guard, the army national guard, and then civilians. And basically what they do is they, they throw a huge scenario at you and they force military and civilian guys to work together and for like disaster relief and stuff like that. So nice. that's not, yeah. So that after he got nationally certified, we did one down South that was called Patriot South. And then we went up North and did one that was called Patriot North. So I was able to get both of those giant um, training exercises under our belt before we actually were doing deployments and stuff like that. So um, that had definitely helped out a lot, but yeah. So we went up to Wisconsin and uh, they were wanting to, these firefighters, Air Force firefighters, they were wanting to get uh, some training and low angle rescue, that kind of stuff. Uh, so they were, they were wanting to package up these, these dummies. Uh, and they're like 180 pounds, each dummy. And uh, they took them out at the edge of this bluff. And it was probably 20 acres-ish of area they had to clear. Uh, and then they said, so they sent out, you know, they do their, their, basically their big sweeps, uh, in a big row and they, okay. they did their initial search, uh, and they were timing it. And then they were just going to send, and they had, I think eight to 12 people out there, I think is what they had searching for these two dummies. Um, and it took them about, I would say just a little over an hour and, then they pulled everybody out. And what they did is they stuck cadaver next to the dummies. So once they, once they found them, they radioed in uh, and said, Hey, we need a canine request. Uh, and basically what they were wanting to show is what kind of force multiplier a dog is. Okay. Um, so basically they called us in, we come out and they said, Hey, we have two missing individuals in this 20 acre plot. Uh, go for it. And it took him, yeah, it took him, it took him just about six and a half minutes. 
six and a half. Oh my God. All right. Let's call it seven minutes. Let's, you know, like let's give the cadavers a little bit of benefit of the doubt. They took a little longer to find. And the other guys took how long to find them? Just a little over an hour. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. The resources and manpower that you're able to save in time is ridiculous. That's crazy. Yeah. So, and when I explained it to them, so we came out and they were on this bluff. So basically what was happening is the wind was coming down this bluff into this bottom. And so the wind was blowing right in his face. So the second I let him go, he went right to it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love so, it. Yeah. That was a, that was a good one. They were like, Holy cow. And then, yeah, it, we kind of had the same thing happen to us. Uh, so one of the task force leaders that we were working for at the time, uh, he had, I guess, a bad experience working with some dogs. Uh, so he was hard pressed against it. And I show up and I'm like, hey, I'm the a canine handler that's wanting to kind of be integrated with you guys and this, that and the other. So I think he kind of had some hesitations at first. But then I told him, I was like, hey, I, I, like we're able to find people in the water. And he was like, what? So, yeah, so we did a, a, we have a place out here. It's literally, I could throw a rock and hit it from my house, but um, it's called the Guardian Center. So they have a, a neighborhood that they can flood up to the roof line. So the helicopters wow. will come. Yep. They'll do the rooftop rescues off out of there. Uh, and then we went in with a boat and they dropped. So basically what they did is they took a piece of PVC pipe and put two caps on the end of it and drilled holes in it. And they took a blood soaked rag and stuffed it in the PVC and then dropped it in the water. And so we were coming around there. So it doesn't look like a body. The dog doesn't have any kind of visual to go off of. Um, so we rounded the last house searching the little perimeters of the houses and he dang near bailed off the boat. And I was like, there's your body right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. And that I, when I explained that is like, so water intensifies that odor. So cadaver, you know, once the body goes in like drowned victims and stuff like that, once yeah. the body goes into postmortem, the body will release those gases and release like all these chemicals and stuff like that. And where's all that going right to the surface. So it's literally no different than him sniffing the ground. Wow. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's Wow. <laughs> Way to go, Jacoby. All right. Yeah. So. You know what? I'm, I'm calling you when I'm missing my keys. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Stupid joke. Stupid joke. Um, all right. Well, I'll tell you what, let's get into our next one. Cause the you have a guy that's lost in a cave. What was yep. that? Yeah. So we got the call. Um, basically they said it was law enforcement. Um, they were like, Hey, this guy's been missing for two years. Two and, years? Yep, two years. Yeah, so... Okay. So they said that there's like a, a cave system up in this 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 region, and um, they're like, hey, we don't have uh, a whole lot of resources like for to get some of the older handlers up there. And they're like, you guys seem like you guys be the only ones to get up there. So... Um, I was like, yeah, we'll go in. And uh, they said, basically what happened was 
the guy had been missing for two years and um the story was that they were there was like this old closed down highway and they were doing drugs uh, he was a known meth user so they were doing drugs uh, and i guess this guy had just gotten out of rehabs and was got hooked up with the same group of friends and was doing the same amount of drugs he was doing before he was in rehab so he was like extra high so got it yep so he the story that the friends were given law enforcement was that he was saying oh they're out to get me this that and the other just losing his mind wanted he wanted out of the car so finally they were like fine go and they stopped the car he t- he opens the door takes off running they never see him again so they searched i guess did their due diligence and searched you know whatever whatever area they searched before and couldn't find him so they kind of like ruled it as like a cold case at the time and just kind of left it as it was and um i guess when we called we got called there was so these meth heads will go into these caves and do their drugs and i guess one of them went into this cave and walked out with his skull and called the cops and said hey we found this and they were like well we're pretty sure that's what we who we were looking for so they call us out to find the rest of him so oh my gosh <laughs> yeah so this one was this one was a little wild so yeah i i uh we initially we went out um and we couldn't get there by car or anything like that or trucks or anything they they loaded us up in these side by sides these razors and took us out there and then we had to hike the rest of the way in it was i mean it was out there and so we get to where we're going we let the dogs go uh and they're searching we found a couple extra like stuff that they didn't find and um i went down into one of these caves with jacoby and i'm like hey we're finding some weird stuff in here and so I sent one of the pictures I took to uh, one of the law enforcement guys. And I was like, Hey, what is this? And I kid you not, it was an egg probably this big. And I was like, like, like the size of a softball. Yes. Holy maybe a little, sm- maybe a little smaller, probably. Yeah. A little bigger than a baseball, but yeah, about that size. Okay. And uh, I was like, Hey, what are these? And he's like, Oh my goodness. He's like, that explains everything they were turkey vulture eggs. So when he was decomposing, these vultures were coming in and eating him and they scattered his bones everywhere and moved into these caves. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there was these like big buzzards everywhere. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely interesting, but yeah, we, we were able to find, you know, I don't think they found all of him, uh, obviously like the little appendages and stuff like that, like finger bones and stuff like those will be picked up and carried off by animals and stuff like that. So, but the large stuff, I think that we did recover. So two years after he had been reported missing. Yep. Dang. (laughs) Wow. Wow, man. I'm kind of blown away by all this right now. So yeah, (laughs) I'm really going to take it all this in. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, 
that's kind of we're we're able to find people long after they've gone missing uh that there's been some people uh we actually went to a seminar one time where they found uh it was like i guess i think it was on from what they told me it was on some indian reservation they had found some some skeleton that they didn't have any records to so it was like basically a john doe and but they were able to date it at least 500 years old and he was alerting to it oh my gosh yeah so human remains is human remains so (laughs) it all smells the same apparently (laughs) my gosh and he'll just he'll he'll just go right to it yep yeah yeah we've i just actually today got asked to go help with a more of a clandestine search next weekend um for i guess there was some prison up here that had buried had like a cemetery that they had made uh and they they want the dogs to go in and alert so they they don't dig up human remains so yeah that'll be be interesting (laughs) yeah 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 you know what call me when this is all that's done i'm curious to see how that's gonna go by the way jimmy hoff is i think still missing so that might be the next one go get that one (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right so you have another like we're going to touch on two more because i mean these stories are just crazy but there was a a girl from the rotc that you guys got called out for as well yep yeah so this one this one i think this one was probably one of my all-time favorites like it it definitely holds a special place in my heart uh the, the sense of urgency was there uh, because so I had when I initially got the phone call, they said, hey, you know, it was it was another handler that I know that's up in she lives up north of here. Uh, she kind of called me and, you know, because she's she's still a little on the newer side. And she said, hey, I'm getting called to this search. Like, will you keep your phone on you just in case I have any questions? I'm like, hey, yeah, go get them. So uh the story was there was an R. They had a. It was at the Boy Scouts of America camp. So we have a big Boy Scout camp here, just north of here, about an hour. And uh, they had a big ROTC like drill down event or something where they were doing a lot of you know military type stuff. I don't know what they do in ROTC. I was I wasn't in ROTC. So. Yeah, me neither. Uh- ROTC yeah. stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they were doing that. Yeah, whatever that stuff was. They were there was a, a bunch of them there. So, but they were, I guess they were doing some kind of field, uh, something or the other where they were camping in these little huts. And and um one of the girls, I guess, had left in the middle of the night to take a phone call or something and never came back. So, and so then when she got the call, she said, Hey, they think that she might be deceased, um, but we don't know. There's still a good chance that she still could be alive. And I was like, well, you're closer. So go like, go now. Yeah. And so she goes out there and is like, and I go, I go to work, you know, same as normal. I'm like, Hey, I'll have my phone on me. If you have any questions, you know, feel free to call and ask. So, uh, basically she was out there 
for like half to from from probably like eight to lunch. And at lunch, she I get a phone call and she's like, hey, can you come up here? And I'm like, what's going on? And so (laughs) I'm like, what I'm like, what's going on? She's like, we need Jacoby. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, so she's like, here's the thing. There's about a 200 foot ravine that they can't get down into. And she's like, you're the only person that I've ever met that is repel qualified with their dog. So I was like, all right, we're on the way. So we leave. I grab my 72 hour pack with my rope bag and I show up and they they're waiting at the entrance of this place for me. So yeah. So like there, there's probably I'm talking, there's game wardens, there's uh the ROTC, like leadership is out there, uh all the the firefighters from the local area, uh there's uh, two different sheriff's departments out there. And then there's a big like civilian, like um, they're with the fire fire department, their search team. So all of them are like, Hey, and I'm like, Hey, who here's a firefighter? Like we should, like when I, there was three side-by-sides that were waiting at the front gate to like escort me in. So <laughs> they were like, Hey, we've already, we've already checked you into incident command. Like just get your stuff on. We're going. So I was like, okay. So because apparently her dog had been showing interest around that area, but they couldn't go down in there. So I'm like, okay, so we gear up, grab my rope stuff, get my harness on and Jacoby get his harness on. And then we, we jump in the side by side and we're going. And we, I said, Hey, stop by incident command. I need a rope technician. So there was one guy, one guy that, had taken a rope class like and i was like just bring your stuff like so, <laughs> so they come out and so we're we get we kind of scope the area a little bit and i'm it's heavy heavy with brush heavy brush um so we 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 had set up i was like i'm not going to be able to manipulate a rope behind me and have him in front of me to where i can can make this as smooth as possible for the both of us. Uh, so we rigged what's called a Munter system. Yeah. And yep. Yeah. So. Well, I know. You, you know what? Explain how that all works. I, I know of it. So just kind of give us a rundown of like the Munter system. Yeah. So basically, we took a big tie down strap, like a big tether rope, and put it around one of the biggest trees we could find. And basically, it looks like it looks like a a small metal ladder and it's got rollers on it. So you roll, you weave the rope in and out of that. And it creates a lot of friction on the rope to where I don't free fall. Uh, So basically we did the knots to tie me into it. And then I hooked Jacoby to me and they were able to lower me from the top, much like you would like kind of like a cave rescue. Yeah. Uh, Yep. So we rigged that up and then they, you know, I was on comms with them and, you know, letting them, Hey, speed up, slow down, speed up. slow. cause once we got into the brush, they couldn't see me. So yeah. <sighs> yeah. So it was completely off radio. So yeah, they, and the brush was so bad that like some parts of it, I would have to take, like, I'd say, Hey, give me some slack. And I would 
try to stand up as tall as I could. And they'd give me about maybe a two or three feet of slack and I would fall and my rucksack would push all the brush out of the way. And then it would catch me. And then I'd say, all right, give me another two or three feet. And then I'd do the same thing. And we did that for probably 20 yards of this stuff. My, my GoPro was knocked off my helmet. And it oh man, I was just kidding. Oh, that's yeah. terrible. Yeah. It fell all the way to the bottom. I ended up getting it, um, later, but yeah, it was, I got one picture out of it. Uh, I was able to see off the footage that I got one clear picture that brush wasn't in my, my face. So yeah. Um, but yeah, they, we had made it to the bottom. We cleared that whole area. Um, uh, but they ended up finding the girl in the, another state. She had basically got hooked up with some guy. Yeah and caught a ride and they were like you have no idea the resources we just spent but yeah the troopers picked her up and brought her back to the state line but the reason that that one is special to me is because spike's canine fund is amazing so they so jacoby's harness is not cheap it's two thousand dollars oh my gosh yeah so (laughs) We obviously as volunteers don't have that type of cash to just drop on a harness. So this harness was meant for us to be hoisted in a helicopter, repel certified, all that stuff. So it's rated for everything. So they, it was like a one-stop shop harness, like this one. And they, if anything happens to it during his lifetime, they'll take it back and replace it. But I reached out to them and said, Hey, this is our little story. Uh, can you help us? Like, this is the equipment that we're needing. And we've had some equipment failures with different harnesses and stuff like that. Um, but this is the one that we're, we're absolutely needing. And Jimmy Hatch is a former Navy SEAL. He reached out and was like, Hey man, here's the money, like put the money in there like that day. And they were able to make him the harness and stuff like that. So yeah, that was, it was kind of one of those things where like, Hey, we took that training and then we ended up taking that harness and not even a month before that search, the army Rangers up in North Georgia, where they had the Ranger school at their yep. mountaineering and their mountaineering instructors took me and Jacoby and taught us how to repel, taught us how to tie all the knots and everything else. And literally a month later, we used it real world. What? Yeah. Oh, that's, so, that is awesome. Dang, man. Yeah. So it was kind of, it was kind of crazy. Like, Hey, and now when we pitch these ideas, you know, like, cause we're trying to come up with uh, more of like the tactical, like special response team for the technicals type stuff for, for Georgia body recovery. It's like, Hey, we're, we're using this training real world. So it's, it's needed. Wow. And now you guys have also done uh rappel or hoist out of a helicopter as well. I know you said the harness was rated for it. You actually have done that. Haven't you? Yep. Yeah. Do tell. Okay. Yeah. So during those, those exercises for the Patriot, uh, where we are integrated with the military, um, that task force team out of Mississippi, those dudes are are squared away. Uh, they're, they know their stuff and they are very, very well versed in what they do for search and rescue. So I got linked up with them and they kind of saw how me and Jacoby operated and they were like, hey, well, we can we can use him to our advantage. So 
FEMA is kind of like the 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 golden standard for uh, urban search and rescue. So all your like structural collapses and stuff like that. So anything yeah. that they're the ones that are going to be to respond to that. Well, it's few and far between that stuff like that happens with them, and and they have and things have to be such a large scale for them to respond to that type of stuff. Well this exercise was kind of more say sort of like the, the proving grounds for new concepts of, Hey, what can we, can we push the limit of your normal FEMA handler? So, and I was like, well, I don't fall under FEMA and my dog falls under, (laughs) you know, the USPCA. So, but they don't care. So it's like, I can literally do whatever I want with my dog. So it's like, there's no department guidelines. There was no red tape. And that was like, say no more. It was like their birthday. They were like, Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. You know, whatever. So So you're, you're literally writing the book as to what you can and cannot do and the safest way to do it possible. Yep. Yeah. So we've had, Oh, you have, you're in like the good old boy or the the good old times right now. You're living the good old days at the moment. (laughs) Oh man, that's awesome. (laughs) yeah so they yeah we've had definitely a bunch of people ask us like hey how do you guys set up for this how do you guys set up for that and i i actually bounce my ideas off of uh there's a guy there's a guy that's stationed up at the it's the 123rd special tactics squadron in kentucky for the air national guard he's a pj he has a search he has a search and rescue dog um but his dog is live phones they're finding live people so but he's military free fall qualified with his dog and all this and that. Yeah. So they do the same stuff. So me and him have kind of bounced ideas off of each other and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's been a wealth of knowledge talking to, you know, some of those guys, but yeah, for the most part, yeah, we kind of just had to figure it out and say, Hey, this will work. This won't, you know, and then the companies that design some of the equipment, they're more than willing to help too. So it's been, it's been nice. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. So, but basically, yeah. So long story short, they, what they wanted to do was, Hey, if, if we, their concept was, Hey, if we can't get into an area by roadway or boat, can we drop a singular dog team in with maybe one support guy to run radios or call in, you know, do the air to ground radios to talk to aircraft while they completely set up shop in this area. And so we got to do it. It was awesome. Yeah. So they, they put it to the test and our scenario was, uh, there were six, um, six skydivers, like military jumpers, uh, that had a bad jump and there was an earthquake around the time that they were jumping. So, comms went down, you know, we had no way to contact them. You know, they were like, Hey, get out there. We were eight. And then they were able to get radios up with four or five of them. So we knew that some of them were alive and then they couldn't reach one. So they believed that one was deceased. So that's what generated me and Jacoby to go out there. So, but basically once they dropped us in, um, you know, we fly in, they drop us out, rescue hoist, we rescue hoist down, they leave us. And then we're setting up shop. We set up the patient collection points. We set up, do all the search and rescue stuff where, you know, we're finding live people. Jacoby's finding everybody that's deceased. 
Uh, and then we're marking, <laughs> we're marking buildings for damage, uh, all of it. And so, and then you can kind of, once you get that initial stuff out of the way, then you can kind of say, Hey, these patients are critical. These can wait, you know, medevac these guys out immediately. And then you set up LZs and all of it. Yeah. So it was, it's a lot of work, but it's fun. And then the whole time Jacoby's just hanging out. He's like, what's up? Where's my ball? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the videos I sent you is uh, we were taking one of the patients to load him onto the medevac. So I had the litter in one hand and the leash in the other, and he was walking right next to me. Gosh, that's, that's so funny. That's awesome. Man, some of the stuff that you're getting put into is pretty intense. That's, that's killer. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely been one heck of a, a ride the past couple of years. <laughs> four years. You've been doing this for four years and you've already done all of this. And yeah, we're just kind of scratching a bit of the surface here too. Cause I know there's more. As a matter of fact, let's get into one more because you had a little bit of like a, a ghost search. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the, this one was, it's kind of one of those paranormal, like weird, weird things that happened. So we got called out uh, and this was my, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm out. My- I'm going to tap out right now. I'm, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not into that scary stuff. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So this one it, it is weird to kind of explain, but uh, so we got sent out for a search uh, not far. It's probably maybe 30 minutes from here. And uh, they, it was with the, one of the, the violent crimes units here. And they, they said, Hey, this guy's been reported missing. Uh, they haven't had contact with him in a couple weeks, you know, like, let's, let's run the dog out here at his property and see if we can find him. So we go out and it's, it's a, uh, definitely a rough area. There's a lot of like, it just looks like a dump. Like it's, it's bad. Like there's just trash everywhere. Um, and so the lady's like, I get there and I, I'm talking to the lady, the, the sheriff there. And she's like, Hey, um, this is the scenario, you know, wh- what do you want? Like, that's pretty much how things are run. Like when we, when we show up, like they, they've done everything that they can do at that point and they back out. And then when we come in, you know, like we're last ditch effort, like, Hey, what, what do you need from us is basically how it works. And, you know, like we kind of run, we kind of dictate and run the search from that point. So it, that part's nice. Um, so it's definitely nerve wracking for people who have done it. Like it's their first time doing it. Cause they don't really know, you know? So, but once you, once you get <laughs> you a show up, your- everybody just yeah. stops and looks at you and be like, what do you want to do? And you're like, I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. That's sometimes that's how it goes. It's like, well, I don't know. You guys have all the information. I don't, you know? So- <laughs> yeah so i was like well have you have you searched the house yet she goes no so i'm like well let's start there so and i'm like you know is this a a, you know like is it should we be worried you know has he barricaded himself in the house you know whatever and she's like well it's unlocked and i i go to open the door i'm like have you announced that you're here and she goes sheriff's office you know like i'm like oh okay yeah oh so, gosh i love it yeah so we go in and i'm telling you like this guy it was kind of like one of those hoarder houses like they were we didn't have any room to walk and jacoby's like, like kind of looking at me like what the hell and so everything's covered in dust there's spider webs everywhere like 
there was nobody there hadn't been anybody there in a long time so i was like this he's not here so i'm like we'll search the property um and the property was pretty extensive uh like he had quite a bit of land between him and like the other houses and then there was a road that backed up on the other side of the house so and it was probably roughly 30 acres that we had to clear and I'm like, all right, well, I was like, I don't have comms with you guys, but um, we got the helicopter above because the troopers were there. So they were in, you know, we're all in comms with those guys and they're looking more so looking for, you know, temperature readings and stuff like that. Anything putting off a a heat signature. Um, So we go down and they send us in and they're like, you know, like they can see us. We're like, Hey, you guys are good. You know, we're not, that person, you know, like, Hey, we're running the dog. Um, so the trooper and everybody, they back off and let us do our thing. So we did our search. Um, and there's, we went out the back to the road. And once we made it to the road, we came back and we're basically just ping ponging back and forth between the house and the road. Yeah. Almost like a ladder search. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So yep. we're going out and then back in. You're basically creating that pie. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. hey, we cleared this. Hey, we cleared that. Well, then once we made it to the side of his house, like off to the east side of his house, that's when things got weird. So we initially like come off the side of his house and it immediately dips down into this 15, 15 to 20 foot like dried up riverbed. And okay. That's the only way we could keep ourselves out of the brush because uh, it's just thorns and just heavy, heavy brush. So we're ping ponging back and forth. And I walk up this riverbed because I'm like, you know, most people travel by way of least resistance. So I was like, let's let's find out where this goes and see if we can see anything. And, you know, it's like you could tell there was homeless people living down there. You know, you had the occasional grocery cart that had a bunch of stuff in it. You yeah. know, and he, he's just, and it's pitch black dark and I can't see anything other than what's in my flashlight. So we walk up this riverbed and then we get into this section where we found ourselves like I'm just at this point following Jacoby. And so we get into this section where it's like we were in a room full of mirrors. Like it was just nothing but bamboo, like bamboo, probably two to three inches around. And I was like, yep. And so once everything, like once we got into that, like everything started to look the same. And I was like, are we walking in circles? So I started using flag and tape and like, Hey, have we been in this area? You know, like I'm looking at the the GPS. So, and like making sure we cleared every bit of it. Uh, Cause you know, I, even if I was confused in that area, it would be more so confusing for somebody who's not in the woods all the time. So yeah. like, you know, did somebody get disoriented and figure out, like couldn't figure out how to get out of there. So we made sure that we cleared that area really good. And made it to we made it down into where the the riverbed wrapped back around so we made it out the other side of this bamboo and we're back we're back down in the riverbed and we jumped down in there and i'm standing there checking my gps and they had texted me and said hey are you still good um so i was texting them back and they 
all of a sudden it sounded like somebody was sprinting through the woods. Like the leaves were rustling, like it was heavy. And so I immediately like turn my flashlight to where it's coming from and Jacoby's ears go up. So I know he heard it too. And he's like, is on alert. Like he starts to growl a little like, cause he he's hearing it, but he can't see it. And so we talked to the, the helicopter guys I'm like, Hey, are you guys getting a heat signature? Like what's in front of us right now? And they're like, nothing. And the second they said nothing like the, it sounded like somebody had two bamboo sticks and was clapping them together. Like duck, 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 like knocking. What the heck? Yep. So, and so we were like, uh, well we have to search. Like that was our next course of action is to go right where that's coming from. And so I was like, well, here we go. So we go in and. Oh, dude, you're crazy. I'd be like, I'm out. I'm tapping out. Yeah. Somebody give me some big guns or something because I'm out. (laughs) So we pushed, we pushed through and there was, we could hear the knocking all around us. And so like, I, to this day had no idea what it was, but I like, we went back and the trooper that was sitting at the house could hear it and he was like did you hear that knocking he was like was that you and i was like no i don't know what that was and i was like the guys in the helicopter had no heat signature what the heck yeah so to this day i have no idea what it was yeah so that was that was definitely a weird one for sure (laughs) (laughs) dude i'm out i'd be tapping right out of it yeah i'm I'm out i'm out of this one (laughs) yeah And the guy, Dang. the guy that we were looking for, they ended up finding him wandering around the highway. Of course they yeah. did. But when, uh, yeah. Dang, man. What a yeah. trip. <laughs> you, you know what? My daughters would be all about it. They'd be like, yep, sign me up. Sign, uh, me, I'm, I'm back in the house. I'm hanging with the cop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah, I got back to work and my buddies, you know, like, so my nine to five every day, I'm an aircraft mechanic. So I turn a wrench. And so- Wait. Yep. So they, you know, like I, I go, I'll go to work and they'll be like, Hey, what'd you get into this weekend? And I'm like, you guys wouldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But they think it's hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. I love it. Um, so outside of that with like weird stuff that happens, live, I'm at, I got to switch gears just a little bit and ask you, how do you get into this type of training? Like, how do you do a, a puppy selection and then into your handler training? I mean, you got Jacoby going to all these different places and he's got to be a cool, calm, collective. You got sticks banging that you don't know what's going on. And, and he's just like, what's up? Like, how, where does all that start? So it, I was very fortunate. Uh, most, you know, like people, obviously, once they think canine, they think police, right? So most dogs that go to a department for police departments, they usually get them, you know, when they're two, three years old already, and they've been trained by the trainer. And then they'll put the handler through a course to kind of know how to work with the dog and basically just utilize that dog. Well, for us, it was really different. I was able to go through the training and learn how to train him and then handle him as well to be able to work with him. So I got the best of both worlds. So we're, we're the awesome. trainers and the, and the handlers. Yeah. So uh, basically what we're looking for. And I, since then, since I've gotten him, I've, I've learned a boatload. Yeah. It, it's there. Like 
anybody that says, Oh my gosh, I know everything like lies. Like I will never, <laughs> yeah, I will, yeah, I will never be able to learn everything there is to know about search and then a uh, search and rescue stuff or handling dogs. Cause it's all, it's always either changing or there's different ways to do it. And it's, you know, you, you have to just train the dog that's in front of you. So it, it's always on a case by case basis. So, but for what we're looking for, you know, it, it was overwhelming to start with. So we had to dive into his genetics, all of his lineage. Uh, they had to, you know, we had to look at the parents, you know, did the parents have any kind of like diseases or cancers or hip problems or elbow problems or, you know, anything there was, you know, uh, even stuff with their eyes and ears, like it's all taken into account. And then you get, you go to look at these puppies and you're like, okay, so you, you start picking out the ones, you know, obviously it's like, if you showed up to like a little league baseball game, you like, you could immediately pick out, Hey, those do those, those kids are going to be the ones that are going to be athletes. So that's yeah. what we're looking for is the puppies. And then we take those puppies. <laughs> yeah. Then we take those puppies and we get them by themselves because they're, that's their first initial, like, Hey, I'm away from my litter mates, you know, and that's testing their nerves. Are they okay with being alone? Are they independent? Can they work on their own? You know, how well are they using their nose? Uh, and then we do like an agility thing where we'll put them on uneven surfaces and we see which ones have the nerves to be okay with it. Um, and then, you know, you'll flip them on their back and see which ones recover the quickest and stuff like that. So you're looking for the athletes for sure. For Wow. What a trip. Yep. So then once you, once you finally narrow down a puppy, you're like, Hey, you know that I want that one. So then the, you have to figure out what you're going to do with that dog. So like for my instance, it was cadaver. Um, so then, why, why did you pick cadaver? just because or uh it was easier yeah i didn't i yeah so, oh all right do another you gotta yeah. take the easy way out way to go yeah. On. yeah so it was so i'm not i'm not a i'm not a huge people person i'm pretty introverted uh so i didn't want to have to ask you know, like, Hey, can I borrow your kid to go hide and seek for my dog? Can I, you know, for live find and stuff like that, where as cadaver, I have it and I could just go put it out for him and I could do training whenever I want. So uh, wait, you just got yeah. cadaver sitting in the fridge. That's weird, dude. Yeah. So I, I actually, <laughs> I actually have a, you know, there's a lot of people listening like now, like really, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yep, I have a I have an extra deep freezer at my house that I have cadaver in. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yep. So, yeah, it's definitely. I, I'm not sure where this conversation is going to keep going, but I I'm yeah. kind of intrigued. <laughs> yeah, you should have been there the first time I I had to explain that to my girlfriend when we started dating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure that conversation went over really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, luckily, luckily, uh, she was doing. She knew a little bit about dog training because she was working at a, at a place while she was in school full time um, that did dog training and stuff like that. But those, she was working more along the protection side. So she was doing like bite work and stuff like that. Whereas she didn't really know a whole lot about search and rescue. And then I was like, well, here's the kitchen sink at you. <laughs> You're about oh to learn. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that's kind of funny. I got to tell you, it's a little funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my parents hate it. Yeah, they're like, well, that's so nasty. <laughs> so, but it is what it is, you know, it's it's the nature of the beast, but yeah, it's what it takes to, to have a good jam up dog. But wow. yeah, so when they take them as puppies like that, they'll basically what they'll do is they'll, they'll call it imprinting. So they'll take that odor, which is, you know, cadaver, it's usually blood, you know, cause everything's blood's a major part of the body. So usually when you find cadaver, it's going to have some kind of blood on it. Um, so or it's going to have that odor soaked into it, whether it be bone or whatever. So um, that's typically like ground zero for us is blood. So when they're eight weeks old, little, little guys. Um, young. Yeah. Wow. Young. Uh, every time I fed him, he had a little jar of cadaver sitting next to him because he was associating. Cause at that point in their life, they're really, really food motivated so they're associating that food, which is something good with that smell. So when they smell it, they get excited. And so. Oh, they, interesting. What a yep, good idea. You, yep. You build off of that and then it's, Hey, now let's hide it. And when you find it, your food is going to be next to it. So, and then you just, it's a big hide and seek game and the game just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And wow. then about. Yep. At about six months, six to eight months is when I made the transition with him. He's snoozing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dog. <laughs> yep. About six to eight months is when you transition them to a toy is when they, they want to play and have that engagement with the handler more so than they want the food. So plus when you're working them really hard and they're breathing really heavy, the last thing they want is something in their mouth to eat. So, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how we down and dirty of how we, we started with him as far as his training and stuff like that goes. But yeah, then everything is, everything is baby stepped. Wow. And you have done one heck of a job to get all the way to this point and the stories that, that come with it. These are amazing, Dylan. Holy cow. Yeah. The hoist, the hoist training was probably the most interesting. <laughs> It, well, yeah, you know, helicopters. I'm sure you had like earplugs for them and the whole nine yards to put in. But. So we had, we had, uh, they're called mutt muffs. Um, yeah. I tried to put those on him and it was like the way they f like fit on his head, it didn't, they were basically doing no good. So I was like, well, if he's doing fine without anything, I'll just leave him off. So I just, he doesn't have anything. And then recently Rexpex, the, the company that makes his, his eye protection, um, the little goggles in his pictures. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They've made some pretty good, uh, ear defenders for the dogs. So. Well, um, if I remember correctly, cause I, I used to see some of the dogs come on some of our helicopters, they would have like bigger foamies and you just same ones kind of, we use like little foamies. And you can, but they're bigger for the dog's ears. Yeah. So I've used, I've used some of those, um, or tried to anyway, let's yeah. put it that way. And he will shake them out. <laughs> of course so, he will. Yeah. And then you lose them and it's like, well, what's the point, you know? So, but yeah, yeah. I just, if he's more comfortable without them, I'm good with it. And, you know, it's not like, so we fly in the Lakotas. Um, so it's not like, 
the rotor wash is crazy and it's like a black hawk where it's you know the rotor wash will beat you to death but yeah yeah <laughs> totally um when you when you get hoisted in like from the helicopter to the ground are you and him going together or do you get hoisted in and then he comes down after nope we go together yeah oh you do so, yep. how's that so, how's that rig set up so I imagine you're sitting on the floor. He's kind of in your lap. You get picked up off the cabin, spun out, and then boom, you're, you're headed out or, or how does that work? Yeah. So, um, I have, it's like a, a plethora of things. Uh, so they'll say, Hey, we're going to be on approach in about five minutes. So they'll give me the five minute, like, Hey, you know, over the comms. Uh, and then I'll say, Hey, we'll start hooking up. So, Jacoby, I'll get him over to me. Uh, he has a Swiss seat that hooks into the back of his harness. Okay. So he these straps that come in between his legs, much like our harnesses do. Um, and then that's his seat. So, and then he's got a three point sling on his back. So that will hook into the rescue hook. So that gets a carabiner thrown through it. That gets hooked onto the rescue hook first. And then he's got, what that three-point sling at the bottom of that three-point sling is two loops. Uh, and I can show you if you want, but it's got two loops where I have a, a Yates lanyard that will hook to my harness. So I have a harness or like a, an, a lifeline attach point on my yep. hips where my belt buckle would be. And then one on my chest. So the one on my chest is me that goes right to the rescue hook. And then the one on my waist goes to him. So if he, for whatever reason, rolls a carabiner or whatever and comes off that hook, he's still attached to me. Nice. So, yep. So that's how that works. And then uh, they'll give us the one minute, like, hey, and then I'll unhook from comms. And the crew chief will kind of check all the carabiners and make sure we're all hooked up good, make sure my fall restraint's on there. Uh, my lanyard's hooked up uh, to the eye. And then um uh, we'll he'll open the door once he he give me the thumbs he'll give me the thumbs up we'll open the door we scoot out and i'm sitting there and jacoby's in my lap and uh he'll basically just hey you know once they give the pilots give the crew chief uh hey we're on approach then yep. he will he will give me a little tap and then push me out and then once he pushes me out i'm hanging there and then he can guide the pilots in Cause the crew chief is my hoist operator too. So yep. once he, once he guides the pilots in and they go into a hover, he'll give me another little tap, like, Hey, you're going down and then he'll drop us down. Wow. And those wow, guys, nice setup. yeah, those guys are good. He's, he's done some, done some cool stuff with me. They've dropped me up on top of a car one time, you know, dropped me into a little Zodiac boat. Like it's been, it's been some cool stuff for sure. <laughs> oh, you got a good hoist operator. That's what I'm talking about. Good job. Yeah. 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 And it was, it was cool the way they did it too. Like they, when we first started hoisting with them, uh, they kept the same crew all the way through. So Jacoby was like used to everybody. So it was nice. That oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So he's not having yeah. to try to like get familiar with new people. He's already comfortable and happy with everybody's around. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, they, they knew that it was already going to be a stressful environment for the dog and me anyway. So they, they were like, Hey, if we can cut down on that stress and that risk assessment is a little less then yeah, we'll, we'll keep the crew the same. <laughs> oh, that is so cool, man. That is so cool. Yeah. Call me. I want to go with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll definitely make it happen. That's for sure. So you've had all of this stuff that you've done and some, you've actually done quite a bit of uh, mission training as well. So like we talked about a little bit ago, you know, you've done stuff with some of the PJs and some of their, uh, the dog up there, um, the hoisting iterations, you know, you've worked with firefighters. So you and Jacoby have worked with a whole bunch of different, different agencies and stuff. Is there anything else that stands out to you or that you guys have also worked with? Um, yeah, so we have, it's, it's more along the lines of like who you have to know who you're working for and what, what would be beneficial to them. So it, it goes back to the old saying of, you know, are you, are you going to be an asset or a liability? You know, are you going to be able to help, help these teams out or you not? So yeah. um, a lot of, a lot of the people are like, Hey, you know, some, some canine handlers, you know, in search and rescue are, are, are really hesitant uh, to do certain things and, and kind of push their dog to, to certain limits due to, you know, the risks and stuff like that. So um, one of the ways that we were kind of able to help the task force team out uh, was during one of these training exercises, like, hey, you, this is a way you can implement the dog that you might not have thought of. Uh, so basically when we, um, first initially, so this was during Patriot South. So we had, um, we had one dog that went to a concrete collapse and then we had Jacoby who went to the steel collapse. So the firefighters are able to come in and obviously they, you can break concrete up a different way than you have to cut steel up. So it's different training for them. Um, so it, it really works out, but the, the search for us is always the same. So they put us in as what, what they called as the recon team, which was really, really cool to kind of be a part of. Um, so before anybody even touched that pile, uh, they literally walked out. And so our scenario was a hurricane that hit and then, which produced a tornado and then they had just really, really bad weather that caused this, this building to collapse. So, okay. uh, the basically, so you have, these are all military guys. So they're, they're higher ranking guys. So it, basically everybody's commander and, and, you know, supervisors and stuff, they would set up the scenarios to, to test their guys. So, um, they would come in, they put these dummies in and they would set my cadaver out as well. So we were used as a recon team and it was cool because, they were able to so once we sent uh, once we sent hey, Jacoby. Jacoby, yeah once we sent Jacoby in um I released him onto the pile and you know they you, you announced it hey dog on pile and then everybody kind of surrounded the pile and watched him but uh they're they're guys that were actually a part of the the scenario they were in the auditorium and it was a live feed from a drone that was flying over watching us. So they were watching us find people at the same time that uh, we were doing the search. So they were able to see us. So we released him onto the pile. And as we were making our finds, we were marking them. So the, before the firefighters even left their simulated station, they knew where the people were at. So it was, it was nice to, to kind of have that, hey, you guys already saw from a live feed of what's going on at the pile. So now you, you show up and you already know what gear you're trying to grab. And it's not like herding cats. So, wow. 
yeah very that, cool that kind of a, yeah that was kind of a, an eye opener to some of them that was pretty cool to incorporate the drone with the dog and everything else like that so that was kind of cool and then um up in this one was kind of funny up in uh north at patriot north up at volkfield in wisconsin they they always like to to get the pictures and the videos of the dogs and stuff like that of us us doing the the urban stuff the the rubble piles and stuff like that and one of the so my commander called me and he said hey one of the public affairs uh girls wants to come out and take pictures of you guys doing a search where are you guys at and i was like we're at the react site um do about to, to run a search on the rubble and she go, he goes oh well hang tight she's on the way so she shows up and i'm like hey you you're more than welcome to take pictures i was like but is that he's got three finds out here it's probably not going to take him very long and so it was probably the rubble pile was probably roughly about a half acre to an acre okay. size. Yeah. and uh he we let him go and they got a, they have a fema evaluator that's like a he's like running he's like the boss of the pile so he makes okay. sure like hey your dog's going into an area that's unsafe call him back you know that kind of stuff so he's kind of like your spotter and so he gave me the green light we let jacoby go she got two pictures off by the time he was done <laughs> yeah. she was, that was oh. quick <laughs> Son of a gun. I was hoping to get at least three. <laughs> yeah, so, wow. Yeah, that was a good time up there. Oh, that's that's crazy. That's awesome. Um, I another side weird kind of question, but how do people get in touch with you? Like, how do they find you? So you're talking about for call outs for searches? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's all ran through our, our emergency management. So the call will go into GEMA, which is Georgia Emergency Management. So the call will go in through them um, and then it will filter down to us. And then we have like a, a group me chat that says, hey, deployment, you know, whatever. And it has all the details for the deployment. So, and then you can say, hey, I'm available. Hey, I'm not, you know, find another handler or something like that, you know, yeah. but that's kind of how it works. Um, but like the local area around here, and now that we've kind of, established ourselves and had done some searches with some people and stuff they'll just call me directly <laughs> yeah, just, hey, uh, yeah. Dylan so I, I got this thing I, I need you to come check this out all right <laughs> yeah so, and as wow. long as as long as they have a case number you know because every missing person has a case number uh, as long as there's a case number we can deploy so wow cool Yep. So I'll get that. And then I'll use my, I'll plug it into my little system on my phone. And then, cause we use what's an app that's called pack track and it tracks everything. It tracks all of our deployments, all of our training records, all of it. So if we ever get called into court, all of it's right there. You guys, you are squared away, my friend. That is, yep. that's, that's doing it right. Well done. Yep. Dang. <laughs> Dylan, yeah. this has been uh, a very enlightening and wonderful conversation thank you so much for sharing everything that you're doing and have done uh this has been awesome thank you yeah yeah thank you for having me absolutely um as soon as i as soon as my wife convinced me that we get another dog i'm calling you first okay so yeah i don't <laughs> think she'll be happy that i'm gonna train the dog to get cadavers but uh 
yeah. should be ha- should be happy with the dog. So <laughs> first things first is always obedience. So <laughs> okay, honey, honey, you hear that? All right, yeah, note that. <laughs> yeah. No, Dylan, this is awesome. I I would love to get together one day, and, and hopefully we can go flying and do some hoist training yeah. as well, because that would be, man, that would be pretty cool. I would really enjoy that as well. So. But yeah, if you're ever if you're ever in Savannah or Florida, we'll we'll come out. Done. I love it. I love it. Don, thank you so much, man. I, I look forward to being in touch with you later. And and call me later when you have uh let me know how this weekend goes. It's gonna be good. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Awesome. <laughs> right on. All right, brother. I'll see you later, man. Thank you. All right, yeah, sounds good. Cool. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Go. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com that's jason at t-h-e-r-e-a-l-r-e-s-q.com you can also check us out on our web pages therealrescue.com our facebook page and our instagram page at the real rescue again a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today always remember when that star alarm goes off those in distress are praying for a miracle they are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>